welcome back to the Soybean Pest Podcast. It, this is Season 11, Episode 6. It's the 19th of June, 2020. My name's Matt O'Neill, and I'm here Hi, everyone. With... I'm Erin Hodson. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm doing okay. All How right. are you? I'm okay. Yeah. Trying to get through this summer of coronid and protests and, oh gosh, it was hot this week. I'm trying to learn how to ride a bike and can I just say like my butt can't handle it. <laughs> Is that bad? I mean. Wait, come on. You're learning how to ride a bike? Well, I mean, it's been since my bike got jacked and it got stolen when I was in grad school. Oh. I haven't had a bike. And that was a long time ago, but now I need something to do because there's nothing to do. So, hey, let's ride a bike. But oh. it hurts. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Got to toughen up. But don't they always say it's like riding a bike? <laughs> that's, what, that's what my husband said. <laughs> but yeah, it's hard. Well, that um, good on you. That's great to be riding a bike. And should we give a shout out to the guy who helped you uh, get back on two wheels? Yeah, he's A&R Program Services uh, liaison his name is brent prignitz uh and we've i've worked with him for a long time he helps us schedule meetings and things like that but he is a bike guru and has a little shop at his farm so he helped tune me up and set me up right so thanks brent thanks brent brent's a great guy he's been doing a lot for um all the kind of programs that we get involved in like the icm conference and if we have any kind of field days or special days he's been great kind of logistics guy He's the man. All right. So thanks, Brad. All right. Let's talk some, uh, let's talk some pests. Let's talk some Mm -hmm. soybean pests. What's out there? How was your week in terms of checking in with our extension agronomists and our staff and students? Well, maybe not something that um, I typically talk about, but have you heard about the mosquito and tick activity in Iowa? I've I've experienced the mosquito activity. Yeah. How about the ticket? Yeah, I know. I have some welts all over the place. And um, this week was the first detection of West Nile virus and first ever detection of Heartland virus in Iowa. What? What's mm-hmm. Heartland virus? Is that the one where uh, you get bit by a tick and then you can't eat meat? You know, that's a it's a good question for a tickologist. Um, oh, I don't know. Anyway, Heartland virus, is that... Yeah, I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to do a little bit more digging, but it's a tick only, vector disease. If only there was a device we could query that would <laughs> give us these answers. It's Heartland virus. Heartland virus. Mm-hmm. Anyway, these came active um, in, or, or were detected in Iowa? This, uh, this week, yep. Yeah, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, so uh, I've been definitely, like you said, feeling it the mosquito activity when I go outside at Don and Dusk, especially I have some nice itchy welts to prove it. Um, but pest like crop pest wise, um, shout out to Brian Lang. He gets the prize for first soybean aphid of the summer in Iowa. And he usually gets the prize. He's in Northeast Iowa. And yeah. I think that numbers have been climbing. He's, he's found them now for the second week in a row. Since the, Invasion of the soybean aphid. Brian has kept a great record of the populations in fields around him, um, and he has compiled these uh, these data over almost fifteen years now. Is that right? Yeah, I bet. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he shared that with us. It's a, it's an interesting data set. It's uh, interesting to see how the, the, the populations of the soybean aphids over the season have changed from early on in its establishment in Iowa to what we see experience now. Yeah, we haven't found soybean aphid in any of our research plots. Uh, and so the only report I've heard is from Brian, probably because he's looking at lots and lots of plants. But uh, hopefully uh, we'll hear about some more updates from other parts of the state coming up over what the weekend. Did he, what did he say? Like a 16%? Something I think like 20%. six. It went from 1% to 6% of plants infested, I think. Yeah. yeah Still low, uh, right? Very low, yeah. And that's not a... a good number of aphids per plant. I think the number is still really low. Yeah, I'm just looking In at addition the, to aphids. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just looking at the email. He said he scouted 100 plants, 6% infested. The average number of aphids is 21 per plant. Oh, okay. Uh, that that's that seems a little bit high, but if only six are infested, that means you got a healthy population on yeah. some and um, you know, the rest are just mm-hmm. empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at some pictures. Nice pictures, Brian. Uh, they look like they're confined to the youngest growing part of the plant. No surprise there. Um, and a quite healthy population of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is this is interesting. This suggests that you know they're out there, and um, yeah, they could have built up over time. But mm-hmm. as the great Sammy Hagar once said, "Only time will tell." Oh. If we stand the test of time. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, that was a good poet. one. Good, good. We'll see if these po- if these aphid populations stand the test of time. Sorry, mm-hmm. I got distracted. Uh, what else is there? There's more than just aphids. Yeah, I think I think I mentioned thistle caterpillar last last time we met, and that has continued to increase slowly on early vegetative soybeans. So they're small caterpillars at this point. But if you had kind of a late planted field, sometimes the defoliation can be a little bit more shocking than if it's a, a older field. So that's happening. And that was a, one of the hottest topics of 2019. So like you said, time will tell uh, later in the season about this of caterpillars. Any we insight, had our, oh, sorry to ahead. interrupt, but just any insight on uh, thistle caterpillar, their phenology, the, uh, this is probably what the the second generation of them in Iowa. No, are we still second with, generation? Have we? Well, I guess what I'm asking is, have we have we had enough time since their first sighting that they've laid eggs, form, formed caterpillars that have gone on to completely mature? And you're shaking no, your head no. So. Well, as I mentioned just like two minutes ago, the caterpillars are still pretty small. So they um, have a while to feed yet before they would pupate and turn into an adult and start the second generation. Are you asking me if I was able to absorb information shared with the two minutes? No, I wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. It's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still easily distracted. Are you getting enough carbs? Are you, Uh, you're doing, your brain is okay? Can we just just an aside? Uh, we're going deep into Netflix now, and my wife discovered this show called Alone, where they yes. drop. Oh, you know the show? Yes. Oh, it is fantastic. It yeah, is it's awesome. Yeah. So they dropped a bunch of people in this remote part of Canada uh, right before winter, and they have to like set up shop yeah. and yeah. And getting to the end of the show, um, 
the the effects of malnutrition and starvation on people is um is that's why disturbing. i asked if you're getting carbs well like they couldn't get enough fat that was their thing yeah. they could and mm-hmm. and like this is something to connect it to insects like insects have the same problem right i mean they need you need fat linolenic acid fatty acid in order to just persist in order to survive and these people in alone are like yeah i can feel i can't think well i'm tired i'm stumbling around and Mm. yeah i forgot what someone said to me 30 seconds ago yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. i was concerned about your brain uh yeah i'll 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 just have to eat more mayonnaise i'll be okay Okay. don't worry about me okay Okay. so uh thistle caterpillars um Mm -hmm. Setting up shop, got a got establishing a generation from the ones that migrated up from the south. Correct. Yep. And uh, yeah, got it. All right. See, I'm listening. I'm, I'm yep. processing. Okay. Okay. Next up would be first sighting of Japanese beetle of the year, and that was, ooh, ooh. at least to, to my knowledge, was our awesome central field agronomist Megan Anderson found it uh, while she was doing some other things. I think looking for weeds and stuff. She found a Japanese beetle. So that is. Um, about typical timing, usually um, when corn is like mid-vegetative, V7, V8, V9 is when beetles start coming out and they're so hungry when the silks come out. So um, that's pretty typical timing for the and, beetles. And they stay with us for a while. Like, they, Oh, man. They live uh, a long time. It takes them a while to emerge and that'll, that'll occur over the next couple of weeks. And then uh-huh. from there you get them just hanging out and literally oh. hanging out. So, yeah, I think at least 60 days adults will be living. So another two, two um, or so months. Yeah. And if you care at all about things like roses or vegetable gardens, you know, that's something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, I think it was last Friday, we had our first adult detection of soybean gall midge. So we used the Illinois style rootworm cages and we put them over soil of fields that were infested last year. And we're doing that. We have seven locations here in Iowa, and it's a complementary network to Nebraska, South Dakota, and Minnesota. And so they've really started popping last week at uh, at least at uh, all, all four states. There's positive detections, and that continued this week. And I think Nebraska is even finding larvae in currently growing soybeans. So they're a little bit ahead of us, I think, in the development. I'm not sure if it's soil type or just things are a little bit warmer over there, but they're finding larvae. And so we'll continue to trap for adults and monitor for larvae this summer. What's the stage of the beans in, in those fields that you're looking at? Um, that we're finding the adults? Yep. yep. They're cor- Well, it's corn now. So we they were soybean last year oh, and they're oh. corn this year. But um, the, the soybean that is near those fields is anywhere from like V2 to V5. So... It, okay. it ranges, but early vegetative. That seems pretty consistent with some of the soybeans I've seen around central Iowa. Is yeah. That, yeah. Yep. So yep. Nothing unusual about those fields. You didn't plant them early or to try to catch. Well, we, I tried to plant ours as early as possible. I wanted the oldest beans to be there when the midges arrived. It seemed like sure. they prefer a little bit bigger plants just from my observations from last year. So some of our plots uh, were planted mid-April, which is considered pretty early is there any thought that planting date is going to affect the the occurrence of the midge or the impact on the plant is there a way that is there any thought that like the plant can outgrow the midge such that it well, damage isn't as great if it's occurring no the, I, the opposite um the really late planted beans that 
we had last year, not because we purposely planted them late, but just because we had some super saturated soils. And so we had to wait to plant. Those plots were unattractive to the females because uh, I think right now they're looking to lay eggs and they want a plant to lay their eggs on. And so if the course, like we planted in June, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be up and ready to go right now. So it seemed like delayed planting could be a strategy, but then you suffer some of the agronomic uh, consequences of that. So timing will be important. I don't think you want to be the first beans in an area if you happen to have soybean gall midge, at least for now with the genetics that we have. Sure. And and we do we know enough about the um, dispersal rate range of the midge to oh, know? Man. No, I wish they're tiny little things and they're weak. It seems like they're very fragile. So kind of like aphids. I mean, I think they wouldn't move very far on their own, but could move longer distances with some help um, of wind. But yeah, I don't know how far on, on their own they could move. They seem okay. kind of lazy, in which. They tend to just hop over to the next field and infest the edge first. And so they stop when they find a suitable host, I think. Okay. Yeah, so unlike helpful. like corn boards or something where they're like, hey, I want to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Any other insect sightings, threats, concerns? Well, can, can, I, can I tell you a secret? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to mute the microphone. Your so eyes got listening. so big, Matt. For the first time yesterday, I did the corn rootworm float test. Can you believe it? I've never done it before. Take away my PhD field crop card. Um, I've never done it before. But I, um, as you know, with this um, social distancing and, and with my extension appointment, I'm not doing the field days that I would normally be doing. So I'm trying to make an effort to go and um, shoot some small videos, take some fresh photos of some injury and pests that I wouldn't normally have time for. So yesterday I went out to feel and with the help of Ashley and Angie Rekin, she's also a field agronomist and Warren Pearson, we dug up some corn plants and we tried a couple different methods. We did the float test in Sweet. five gallon buckets, but then we also um, took basically a root ball and um, just sort of broke apart the soil over a black plastic bag. Uh-huh. And both were really effective. Uh, we saw larvae ranging from like a quarter inch to a half an inch in size and they're super active. So they really popped out um, uh, with both methods and it was kind of a fun, fun thing to do. I wish that it could have been a field day experience. Quite a few. You find quite a few in this. Well, um, and some of the plants, I have to admit the plants that I picked were total losers, no larvae, <laughs> but um, some of the other plants that we uh, sampled had, um, like six to eight larvae per plant, which um, I think from the limited reading that I did would be a red flag. Yeah. Of course, we were, we were sampling refuge plants because we, I wanted to get the, you know, the biggest chances of finding larvae. Right. So, so these, are, these are plants that do not have the BT traits. They would be mm-hmm. susceptible. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming they weren't planted with a seed treat or treatment or soil insecticide. Uh, well, I think they would have a seed treatment on them because nearly all corn has a seed treatment, but, oh, okay. uh, no soil applied insecticide, but, um, I, I guess what I'm asking is with these plots where you were intentionally trying to develop a population of rootworms. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's because it's a, it's a demo farm. And so I'm hoping for like, this is the worst case scenario is a, it's been in a, since before my time, Marlon Rice has this, had this continuous corn plot. I think it's 
probably over 20 years now. So the, oh, easily. Yeah. the population is really high, but we move around where the refuge is to kind of keep the populations there. So it's a great demo and it's unfortunate we didn't get to show that to some new agronomists or new students. But you're going to have some videos coming out of this soon? Well, I, I took some photos and I took a short bit of video and I wrote up a blog yesterday on just a refresher if you've never done larval sampling with either a plastic bag or the float test. Okay. So that's um, on our ICM blog as of last night. Will you send me a link and I'll put that in our little text box for the You podcast. betcha. All right, yeah. There we go. Making it happen. Let's do it. Yeah. That's so cool. um, that was a first for me yesterday. I have to admit it. <laughs> not embarrassed. Um, I'm not a corn embar- root wormologist. So, I mean, don't, it's a new thing for me. Don't be embarrassed. Okay. I, um, I, I used to study the root worms. I never did a float test. Oh, Okay, yeah. I feel better. Yeah, I got my master's and PhD, and I, I, we never did that. We, I mean, did oh, a man. lot of root ratings, a lot of digging up yeah. root balls and looking at the damage caused by the, the, the larvae. But we typically do that after the larvae are gone so that you see yeah. the full impact. You don't want to do mm-hmm. it too soon because they haven't finished eating. You know? Yeah. So, all right. Anything else? Um, those are the highlights. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have much to add. Um, we were, I was busy working on some grants, trying to get stuff in um, to meet some deadlines this week. That sounds fun. Uh, um, yeah, it, it can be. Uh, to be honest, it, it can be really fun. I, I got to work with a great group of um, people, guys and gals. We're looking at how we might uh, encourage certain practices on solar farms to uh, benefit pollinators, monarchs beneficial insects in general. And um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. There's going to be a substantial increase in the amount of solar energy produced in the Midwest over the next 10 years uh, with um, uh, thousands of acres uh, of solar farms being put into um, the Midwest landscape. And there's some uh, evidence that if you plant perennial vegetation around those solar farms, not only is it good for butterflies and like the monarch and bees, uh, it's also kind of good for the solar farms that you lower the temperature around the solar arrays and that helps those arrays um, more efficiently, effectively produce electricity. So anyway, um, that was my week. A little bit off of soybean pests. But, yeah. um, but in the meantime, I did generate a fit. Fun insect trivia. Bring it yeah. on. All right. All right. So we're going to go back to a format that we tried a couple of weeks ago where I'm going to dribble out a, a bunch of clues and uh, you have the option at home of writing your answer down. Erin is going to write her answer in the chat box. Okay. And uh, I'm not going to reveal the answer until we get to the final clue. Okay. But I'll, I'll let our listener know if you get it right in your guesses. All right, so are you fitter than an entomologist? Here you go. Actually, there's a lot of fit entomologists. I'll say that. Yeah, the, um, yeah they used to have five. Well, you did you sponsor a 5K at one of our It was a 6K. Meetings? Get oh. it? 6K? Yeah, I got it. That's pretty clever. Um, yeah, what were the times on that? Do you have some? It was pretty- on time. There is no chip timing. It was a fun run. Oh. <laughs> fun run. I heard a- 
comedian talking like about jumbo it. shrimp yeah, yeah or, or, or humor tumor <laughs> I, mean, anyway. I have not heard of that one okay so here uh the first clue this insect has an ovid body that's about two millimeters long in varying shades of green the winged female has a fusiform body that is black all right that's clue number one. Oh, by the way i'm looking for a specific insect did I tell you that? We're looking for a specific mm -hmm. insect. All right, here we go. It is found in North and South America, Central Asia, Africa, and most of Europe. Have I eliminated? No. All right. It's not helping. Okay. It, here, maybe this one will help. It feeds on a wide range of hosts. About 60 <laughs> different plants. Okay. All right. How about this? It's an economic pest of cotton. All right, still no reaction. Aaron's uh, silent over there. Um, it's a. I've seen a cotton plant like I've seen a cotton plant once in my life. So, you know, I it just keeps getting worse and worse as I reveal all these secrets. <laughs> we don't grow a lot of cotton in Iowa. Um, <laughs> it's not your fault. Okay, here this one will be a little bit more helpful. It's a member of the suborder suborder Sternorhynchia. Okay. Right. Still nothing. Okay, this one, this one is going to uh, flip your switch. It's one of only two species known to colonize soybeans. Oh, 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 she gave an answer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I have to go to the judges on this one because Aaron gave an answer that is a common name. I want to see if that common name is acceptable. The judges are waving it off. I'm sorry, that is not the accepted common name. Um, okay. Let me just review the clues. It's an ovid body, about two millimeters long in varying shades of green, winged by, no, sorry, she just gave, Aaron, the answers are coming furiously in on Aaron's side. No, she gave a scientific name, that is incorrect. Um, has an ovid body that is two millimeters long, varying shades of green. The winged female has a fusiform body that is black. It's found pretty much everywhere. It feeds on a wide range of hosts. It's an economic pest of cotton. It's a member of the suborder Steinorinca. It's only one of two species known to colonize uh, colonized soybeans. And Erin has, um, in her own way, created a common name for it. <laughs> She has called it the cotton picking aphid. I think she's trying to refer to the cotton aphid. And the name uh, we're looking for is uh, Aphis gossypii. Oh, man. Commonly known as the cotton aphid. Yeah. So uh, this is one of two aphid species in North America that has been found to form colonies on soybeans. The other one is the one that we spend so much time on, the soybean aphid. Uh, Cotton aphid will form some colonies, but they don't persist for very long, maybe one or two generations. It's not, soybeans is not a preferred host for this aphid. Um, and the reason I brought this up is I, uh, listening to our students and staff in our Friday morning Zoom meeting, there were some observations of black aphids. And I was doing a little Googling and yeah, it turns out cotton aphid can uh, have a black morph. Um, typically, it's green, but yeah. um, there are. Uh, it's not uncommon to find black versions, and and, and some of them are um, without wings. So, uh, quite a bit of morphological variation there. 
And if, if you do APHIS GOSIPII uh, as a Google search term, you come up with a, a black version of this aphid um, as one of the first images you see. Like so, shiny black or matte black? Uh, yeah, I didn't do well in, in oh. art classes. I think it's a, a matte black. Is that the kind of duller color? Yeah, it's not uh, like the jet shiny. Well, uh, I don't know. It does. Uh, this is why. Um, this is why my wife never sends me to the hardware store to buy paint because matte black shine sheen. I don't know. Uh, I, is I it say, eggshell? Uh, stop! All right, now you guys stop. <laughs> Seriously, we we uh, to our listener, you can click off now. We're not going to talk about insects anymore. We're going to talk about how frustrating it is to buy white paint at a hardware store. There, wh- why can't we just? It's white. Why? Why, why does it have to be? There's these... brown white, or not brown white. There's um, bright white. Eggshell. There's, there's mother uh, of pearl. Oh, oh. <laughs> these these are ridiculous. Yeah, I I will no longer do that. I, I will do a lot for my family, but I won't go and buy white paint. That's insane. Is that what Meatloaf said? <laughs> I won't do that. He'll do anything for love, but he won't. <laughs> he won't buy paint. Won't buy white paint. Uh, any any anyway. Uh, I don't know if those black aphids that Ashley Dean and others were seeing on soybeans yeah. were um, cotton aphids. Uh, but just review the weather that we've had. We just, uh, we got some rain about a week ago that was, that originated from a tropical storm that came up from the Gulf of Mexico. Now, so a lot of our weather patterns go west to east and north to south, but we do get weather patterns that come from the south up into Iowa. And that's often with tropical storms and hurricanes that enter into the Gulf of Mexico and then move their way through the, what is that, the southeast and um, the mid-eastern states. And I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of colonies of cotton aphids were blown up from the south and settled in Iowa. Probably nothing that we need to worry about. Again, they can't persist for very long. But it is kind of interesting that we saw that about a week after those rain events occur. And yeah, you, you start to wonder about other insect pests that could be blown up here. Um, if yep. that weather pattern would facilitate the, um, what? The well, we've had potato leaf hopper. Potato leaf hopper, yeah. Coming from the southeast. I'm sorry, yeah, southeast and true army worm, black cut worm, corn ear worm. We've had all those arrive to Iowa already this year. So if that's where, you know, there's some cotton grown over in that area too, from the Southwest or the Southeast, I could see, yeah, why not? Aphid hitching a ride. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Yeah. Hopefully uh, these uh, trivia questions uh, help sort of flesh out our larger understanding of the ecology of the critters that we spend a lot of time studying. I like aphid fits. I like aphid fits. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Hard to get them. (laughs) Yeah. It turns out that the, the pool of entomologists interested in aphid, aphid trivia, not, not very big. It really hasn't accelerated. Like I thought. It's more like a waiting pool. Okay. So should we wrap it up? Anything else? It was a good one. Oh, thanks. And you yeah. t- hey, great job with the uh, 
sharing your uh, expanded understanding of rootworm sampling. And I'll put that in. People can look for it in the thing. Um, Any upcoming events, anything our listener (sighs) needs to know about? No, not face-to-face anyway, but content's coming out on ICM News and ICM Blog. Awesome. Um, And you're going to be presenting at the National ESA meeting? Is that true? No. No? Um, But a bunch of Um, our people maybe? Yeah, I think I'm going to coordinate an online workshop i think um for another share fair we're we're yet to see how that might go but i'm not planning on presenting you are though right uh i think so i've got mm-hmm. a couple of uh, requests to share some work that we've been doing with um uh, pollinator conservation and pollinators and soybeans so okay there'll be a couple there's going to be one symposium on just that topic uh pollinators oh. and bees and soybeans so um yeah, I'll let you know more about that. Maybe our listener might uh, be interested in that. In fact, I think our listener is one of the speakers in that session. So nice. Um, shout out to Dominic Rising. Okay. Okay. Let's wrap it up. I know you got to be somewhere. So thank you very much. Yep. And yep. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. You too.